what the heck is up guys it is 11 42 p.m on thursday night this podcast releases in like nine hours it's fine we're cool um it's great life is going great okay um i'm just gonna hurry up and get this over with because i have to go to bed and get up tomorrow so that i can pack and leave for hutch once again because my life is very busy right now um Today I'm crocheting that scrap poncho again. It, it's a thing. Okay. Um, also, I finally got one of the stimulus checks. I haven't gotten any of them, but I finally got one of them. So I think I'm about to launch, launch my merch site. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I am going to. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to launch my merch site, finally. Um... So keep an eye out for that. I know I keep saying, keep an eye out for that, keep an eye out for that. But like, no, literally keep an eye out for that. Like, it, it's going to happen soon. Um, so today's case is we owe, we owe it to Matthew. I asked Matthew to find a case that seemed interesting because I know what I like to read about and learn about. But it's nice to have other people's opinions too. Um, and Matthew presented me with the doodler case all because the name was funny so thank matthew for this one um all because the name doodler so i guess we'll just we'll just get right into it you know it's late i'm tired y'all here we go between January of 1974 and September of 1975, 16 murders and three assaults of men in San Francisco, California, grabbed the attention of the public. The person possibly responsible for these crimes was deemed the doodler, or the black doodler. Um, I forgot to say, grab your projects also, grab a snack, grab a drink, um, or go to bed like I should be. Let's, let's get back into this, okay. The nickname, the doodler... Um, oh, okay, so I'm going to be referring to them as the doodler because the black doodler is only, they only have that name because they possibly were African American. So I'm just going to call them the doodler. But the nickname came from the MO of the killer sketching his victims before luring them into leaving with him. Um, he found most of his victims at, in gay nightclubs, but some he met at bars and restaurants too. Um, and it was thought that he was a handsome young male who would find a gay man in the area that he was in, sketch a picture of them, flatter them, and then suggest they go somewhere to have sex. Yum. The next day, the victim would turn up dead on a beach or in a park and have a specific knife wound that later linked all of the cases together. Um, although they never found the killer, the one who was thought to have done it was also thought to have killed between 5 and 16 people simply by just linking the cases together. Um, several of the victims shared similarities in their wounds being stabbed in both the front and back of their bodies. Um, I need to stop touching my shirt so you guys don't hear that every time. It's great. We're fine. <sighs> How are you guys? Because physically and mentally... I'm out of it, you know? Um, all of the victims were white males and were theorized to have died after meeting with the killer at the location where they were then killed. The suspect was described as a male between the ages of 19 and 25 and of African descent. 
He was about six feet tall and was very slim. Um, in the beginning of the investigation, police believed that there were possibly three different killers, actually. The first victim of the doodler was Gerald Earl Cavanaugh, an immigrant from Canada. And although they weren't 100% sure, the police believe that he is the first ever victim of the doodler. Gerald was 49 at the time of his death, which was done by stabbing. He was fully clothed and found lying face up on Ocean Beach in San Francisco on January 24th, 1974. And he was found around 1.30 a.m. And the caller who reported his body had actually called, given the information, and then hung up before giving his name. Which people did find kind of spooky. Um, and it was like a young male's voice name. What? Young male's voice name? Hmm? It was a young male's voice according to the dispatcher that took the call. So in total, he had 17 stab wounds, including some on his hands, and it was determined that he was conscious when he was attacked due to those self-defense wounds on his hands. Um, initially, he was unidentified and known as John Doe Number 7 because he was a single man and an immigrant from Canada. Um, the reason that Gerald was in San Francisco was because he left his home in Montreal, 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 when he was a young boy and did a 21-month long trip in the U.S. Army at the end of World War II. He found himself in the High Ashbury by the 1970s, and his family wasn't sure or wasn't aware of his sexuality. Um, and after his mother died in 1967, he never returned to visit home. So the family was super Catholic and like wasn't okay with him being openly gay. Uh, that would have been a problematic situation for him so leaving home wasn't a hard decision because back then people were really messed up and liking someone with the same parts as you was wrong um davida ashton wore a puffy blonde wig and strap-on breasts making him a huge target in 1975 a drag queen in an area like this drew both negative and positive atten attention as well as terrifying attacks one day, uh, Davida, Davida had gone home with a guy he met over drinks and wound up being tied up like a pig on his stomach with his hands behind his back. The guy then held a knife to his throat. The throat? I really just said throat. The guy held a knife, knife to his throat, but he got free and fled. And two of his friends had been stabbed to death by men that had gone home with them for sex. One of those being our next victim that we're talking about. Um, Jay Stevens, he went by the nickname of Jay, but his full name was Joseph Stevens. Um, I'll be talking about him, referring to him as Jay, because that's what he liked to go by. So, he was found on June 25th, 1974, by a woman walking Spreckles Lake in San Francisco. Jay was 27 and had been murdered just moments before his body was found. He was employed as a female impersonator, which I would think is a drag queen, um, but it said female impersonator on all the things that I saw because this was written a long time ago. Um, so he was employed as a drag queen and a comedian. He had last been seen at the Cabaret Club in North Beach, where he had done a singing and dancing show just hours before his murder. And like Gerald, he had been stabbed in the front and back and was beaten so badly that he was almost unrecognizable. I just, whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm like, I don't know, my brain tries to, like, block out how bad it might actually be. 
Um, but when you really think about that, like someone being unrecognizable because of the wounds on their face, I just, yeah, we're just going to go back to pretending that I don't know what that looks like. So police think that Stevens was also alive at the time that he had been at Sparkles Lake, possibly even being the one who drove himself to the area with the killer. Um, and he also apparently did an amazing job at impersonating Julie Andrews, which is amazing. I can't get enough of that. Um, in 1974, his fame in the drag queen world was rising and crowds fueled him. He was an amazing singer and dancer and did all of his stand-up shows and dresses. Um, he was known to be soft-spoken, modest, and humble offstage. And while looking into his family for more information, it was uncovered that Stevens had a sister who thought evil spirits had emerged from his murder. And three months after he died, she ended up dismembering their mother and burning her in the family fireplace. Then took a sledgehammer to her sister's head, but luckily her sister had survived and the one who had done the murder, the sister that had done the murder, was institutionalized in a center for the criminally insane. Um, but soon after the sledgehammer attack, their father burned to death in his office fire. Insane. Um, chilling, dare I say. Absolutely mind-blowing. I don't, I don't understand. So on to our next, sadly, victim. Uh, Klaus Christman was a German-American immigrant, and he was discovered by a woman walking her dog on July 7th, 1974. His, mu his murder had been much more violent than the previous two because he had been stabbed more times, and his throat was actually slashed more than once. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the others had had their throats slashed, and this guy had had his throat slashed multiple times, so it was a little more intense. Um, his body was fully clothed when discovered, and Kloss, unlike the previous victims, was married and had children, but the fact that he had makeup on him, like on his person when he died, suggested to police that he might have been a closeted gay man. Um, he was also unidentified for a while until police discovered that the three cases were linked. I think this is the case that they were like, okay, something's a little fishy here. So that's when they linked that they might have a serial killer in the area, uh, specifically targeting closeted gay men. Um, also the fact that they were all found at like gay bars, but so Klaus was given his name back and received a burial in his native country, which was Germany. Um, he was last seen at Bojangles day day. <laughs> Bojangles Gay Dance Club in the Tenderloin the night before he was found on the beach, which happened to be a popular gay hookup spot, the, the place where his body was found. Um, he, wanted to, he wanted a new start, and in 1974, San Francisco seemed like the perfect place because back in Germany, um, Klaus managed a bar that catered to both gay and straight customers, um, and his daughter later she was contacted and asked questions, but she said that he had gone to America because many people think that in America pretty much anything is possible and that you can achieve much more than you can in Germany. Um, yeah, you're not wrong if you're a white cis male. If you're a gay male, that, that no, it doesn't happen like that. Um, Frederick Capen, it's C-A-P-I-N. I don't know if it's Capen or Capen. I'm going to say Capen. He was 32 when his body was discovered on May 12th of 1975 in San Francisco. Um, this is inappropriate, but that's my cousin's birthday and my best friend's birthday. I'm sorry, I can't help but say it. I say it every time. Birthdays are just so important to me. I'm sorry. Um, Frederick had been stabbed along with the other victims, but died from the wounds to his aorta, which is that like giant artery that runs through 
I think it's the left side of your heart. Um, it's one that literally gives blood to your entire body, like the oxygen, oxygenated blood. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important. Um, if you get it damaged, you will die. It's kind of like your jugular, um, in your neck. I don't know. But police think that his body had been moved 20 feet due to the drag marks in the sand and he was identified through fingerprints that were taken by the state due to him being a nurse. So he was also last seen at the gay dance bar Bojangles, just like Kloss, but he was, um, he was smaller, about 148 pounds, but was like super tough. Um, so he definitely would have put up a fight, which could explain the drag marks. Uh, he was a war hero, and in 1965, as a Navy medical corpsman, he dragged four wounded Marines out of a combat zone while Viet Cong soldiers shot at them, and during the battle, his lower left leg was shot and shattered, um, and due to this, he was awarded the Navy and Marine Corps Com Commendation Medal. I don't know anything, if you can't tell. I'm just here telling you what I know, but what I really don't know. Yes, Harold Goldberg was 66 when he was discovered on June 4th, 1975. Harold was a Swedish-American immigrant, and when he was discovered in Lincoln, Lincoln Park, he had been dead for two weeks. So his remains were slightly inconsistent with the others because he was much older than them and his underwear had been taken. He was believed to have been the final victim of the doodler, um, although they believe that there could also be 16 victims, not five, but... He was unidentified, and while he was un unidentified, his name was John Doe, number 81. But luckily, they found his name amazing. Um, also, there's this website that you can go on that I need to figure out what it's called. But you can, like, try to link John Doe's and Jane Doe's to names. Um, really good website. If you have free time, go do that. Um, I think it's open to public access. That's probably something I should research before I just go and blab about it. But if it's open to public access, go give someone their name back because that's the least you could do for them as victims. Um, Harold was born... <laughs> let's get back to this. Harold was born in a tiny town called Ekaby and forged papers at 16 to sail out as a merchant sailor. His life was the sea and he worked in many hot engine rooms on multiple ships. Um, after World War... World yeah, we're gonna try that again. World War II, the government chased him for years trying to get him to pay back money that he had borrowed from when he was poorer, but he died with over double the amount in his bank account, so he cheated the system, and for that, I love him. Um, so there was also this man who went by the nickname Diplomat. He was described as handsome, mysterious, and a familiar face in most of the gay bars in the San Francisco area. And just like Harold, he was Scandinavian. Um, I guess that accent is very telling. I guess you can tell when someone's Scandinavian. Like, Australian, you know when someone's Australian. Russian, you know when someone's Russian. So I guess Scandinavian is the same. I, I don't know what that sounds like. But in July of 1975, just one month after Harold's body was found, the doodler pulled up next to the diplomat at a truck stop. And, um... The truck stop was like this diner on Market Street where people would go to after the bar, gay bar, where called Rear End closed. Um, so kind of like your local Waffle House, you know? It's like that. 
Um, it was super early in the morning, like 2 a.m., and this time the doodler had drawn an animal, not his victim, which would be the do- the diplomat. Um, the diplomat took the doodler to his home in Fox Plaza, a few blocks away from Market Street, and there the killer had asked to use the bathroom. When he came out, the diplomat had his back turned, so he couldn't see him. Um, and before attacking, the doodler claimed, you guys are all alike. Remember that. Um... And then he stabbed the diplomat in the back six times, trying to kill him. But the only reason that the diplomat survived was because the knife blade broke off and stopped him from stabbing him anymore. Um, And so the diplomat flung the doodler against the wall, and I guess that scared him and made him run away instead of trying to fight more, thankfully. Um, And then a week later, the doodler... Sorry, that was not me making gas that was me moving my chair the doodler returned a week later to the same floor at the fox plaza apartments but he had found his way into another man's apartment um there he had tied him up and was ready to kill him but before he did that he repeated the same line um you guys are all alike or like all gay men are the same um and the man that was being tied up, screamed so loudly that the neighbors began banging on the walls, which also scared the doodler, and he fled again. Hello. If someone is screaming like that, enough for you as a neighbor to bang on the walls. Please do something. Please do something. Keep an ear out for your neighbors, guys. There's some scary stuff happening. (laughs) Around that same time, um, the doodler ended up attacking an actor in San Francisco, and they were about to lay down and go to bed, and I don't know if that means go to sleep or something else, because the article did not clarify, but we're going to say they were going to sleep. And when the knife fell out of the killer's coat, the victim saw and made a run for it. Um, So that's all about the actual cases, like the actual murders themselves. But now we can talk about, like, the tiny little investigation part of this case, 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 which isn't much because, um, they have not found the killer. Yeah. That's why he's still called the doodler. Because he doesn't have a name. (laughs) So, police questioned a young man as a murder suspect in the case, but they couldn't pin the charges on him because the three surviving victims didn't want to out themselves as gay men by testifying in court, um, which is so sad because he could have been caught if, I mean, if that really was him, but the victims were too scared because they thought that being openly gay at that time would be worse than what had already happened to them or what could happen to people later that are like them. That's so sad. But the suspect cooperated with the police during his interview, but never admitted guilt for the murders or the attacks. Um, An officer stated that they believed the man in question was responsible for the crimes, but he was never tried or convicted because of the survivor's refusal to appear in court. Um, So still to this day, no suspect has been named, and very little information is public. And you know, I'm... Obviously that sucks. Like, he could have been caught. But I respect the victim's wishes to not be outed like back then you could have been killed on the street i mean they literally were almost killed for being gay so 
I don't know. Two other potential suspects came around in 1977 after a pair of men from Redondo Beach were arrested in Riverside County, California. Um, and there they were questioned on the suspicion of approximately 28 murders that the, like the Doodler killings, um, occurred after homosexual encounters. Uh, we're just going to say gay sex. Yeah. Um, as of May 2018, this case is still open and undergoing investigation in the San Francisco Police Department. Recent sec- recent successes using DNA technology developed since then have led police to re-examine all of the evidence in the case, hopefully bringing an answer. Um, come on, it's 2021. Let's Let's get this ball rolling. In February of 2019, police offers- offered... Oh my god, I need to go to bed so bad. Police offered a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of a killer, of the killer, and released a revised sketch showing that he, what he would look like after four decades. Um, which is insane. That's, that's so crazy. Because, like, the sketches, so the sketch from the original, like, 1974-75 person that would have done these crimes compared to the one that they did now, like, he, I mean, he looks... That's their job, I guess, to make him look the same. But he definitely looks like someone that's just 40 years older. Duh, that's his job. Yep. Never mind. Disregard everything I just said. (laughs) They also announced that they would consider forensic genetic genealogy, um, which identified the Golden State Killer, which is a case that I should also do. So at the time of the murders, Harvey Milk um, publicly expressed empathy for the victims who refused oh my gosh I swear I've had nothing but water to drink um Harvey Milk publicly expressed empathy for the victims who refused to speak with police you guys know that I can't say my R's it's fine he said that um he understood the the position that they were in and that he respected the pressure society had put on them um, Harvey was an American politician who was the first openly gay elected official in California. Um, and at the time he was like the most pro LGBT at the time it was just LGBT, but you know, um, politician in the U S and he said that the three men likely feared damaging relationships, relationships with family and like being in the workforce saying that he believed 25% of the 85,000 gay men in San Francisco were closeted. So, in 2020, um, it was announced that San Francisco Chronicle would be launching a podcast hosted by the journalist Kevin Fagan, and the podcast would be investigating the case all over again. And on March 16th of 2021, the first and second episodes aired featuring Joseph Stevens' sister, Melissa Stevens, um, or Jay Stevens, not Joseph. And that's about all we have now. So... I gathered a lot of my information for this episode from those episodes, and the next episode, take a shot every time I say episode, oh my god, so that podcast's next episode comes out on April 13th, and then I think they do the same thing that I do, where like they drop an episode every week, but I'll have to do an update on the case in like a month when they've released more, um, because the last episode that I listened to at the very end, they made it kind of sound like they might know the name of the guy that did it, um, which is huge. That's insane. Um, but that's about all we have now. 
So, I don't know. That's crazy. I would have never known about this case had Matthew not brought it up to me. Because he just thought the name was funny. The Doodler. But it's not funny. Because it's really tragic. And like, the fact that it was such a bad, like it was such, it had such a negative impact on the gay scene in San Francisco in the 70s. Um, that's terrible, but that's the case. Um, keep an eye out for merch. I never know how to end these things on a positive note because then it sounds like I'm just disregarding everything I just talked about, but I'm not. I'm just tired and I don't know what to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lock your doors, don't talk to creepy men, and don't go home with a dude just because he draws a really nice picture of you. Okay, stay safe.